Tonight's narrative is made possible by viewers like you and Hover.com, an easy way to find and register a domain name. Use promo code REACH to get 10% off. Um, I wanted to hear from you, Eric, about Jack Smith. You know, because he hears about things, but at least he's going to feel somewhat emboldened, I would think, to take the next step quite quick. Well, the timing here is uncanny that uh, Smith is pulled out of The Hague, where he is the lead prosecutor. He is coordinating all the other prosecutors in a uh, system that would not be dissimilar to uh, the structure that we had of Robert Mueller and all his prosecutors underneath him, or a U.S. attorney's office with a U.S. attorney supervising assistant U.S. attorneys who are doing the prosecuting on a number of topics. Uh, Mr. Smith here was pulled off of a special prosecution unit that was looking at um, war crimes in the former Yugoslavia in the now quote Kosovo, but the Kosovar militia that lay there before power was reestablished that was legitimate. So this is circa 1998, 99. They were looking at human trafficking and the most extreme war crimes possible, including not just uh, disappearances, murder, and uh, inhumane conditions, but also the harvesting and sale of human organs. Mm -hmm. um, so it could not be more serious topics that that prosecutor Jack Smith was was um, was working on. So I did that uh, Donald Trump's administration had us uh, pull out of the uh, of the war crimes uh, court. And um, so he was very opposed to, uh, in fact, they threatened the judges, if I'm not mistaken, it's sort of weird. What, what, what they did was they imposed sanctions on any ICC judge or personnel who would be looking at American personnel or our allies, which is a very broad group. And the interesting part is that happened in about June of 2020, which is around the time that the GOP got their polling data back about how they were going to do in the election, as well as... Um, the time you get the George Floyd's murder and you get the protests that follow on the militarization of that, but really the lead up to January 6th. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. And I did some research, tried to find out if there was any direct interference with his prosecutors coming and goings. I couldn't find anything. It certainly wasn't a friendly move, Yeah, but here we are. He's back home. You know, I've read the pleadings in the war crimes cases, only one of which I think has come to conviction, which was for obstruction of justice, by the way, witness intimidation. Mm. Um, and the rest of the war criminals is, are there pending as we speak. And there's a huge connection to Russia in there, at least an assumed connection to some Chinese elements. Uh, complicated time, complicated place. Over 20 years ago, we're still dealing with that period of history. And I've read the charging documents. It doesn't get a lot rougher. There's cases pending now for Ukraine as well. There's a whole bunch of uh, Russian cases. I think Pogosian in particular has been uh, named as a likely uh, uh, person who's going to be charged at The Hague for the war crimes. Well, I, I want to be clear. There's other things going on at The Hague. This is just the special council that was appointed just for the Kosovar right. uh, war crimes that are still being untangled 25 years on. Um, so that's what he came off, no doubt they've left it in good hands. And so Mr. Smith here finds himself in this position of 
prosecuting the upper echelon of this January 6th crew, because in order to make it so that this group of jack wagons who roll in, they did all this heavy militia training. They were doing push-ups, um, and sit-ups and jumping over logs and going to the firing range. There's a lot of guys from that's like, you know, a dude's weekend, a summer vacation that they arranged to do all together or whatnot and get in good shape. It's a spa week, if you will. They are not the same as Marine riflemen, as I've pointed out any number of times. The real question is why did they meet no resistance? And we have uncovered a lot of those answers on this show, which is that people stood down intentionally. Um, the people that the Trump administration pistoned up into certain positions of responsibility, particularly in the department of defense dropped our pants and blocked the various forces from defending the Capitol. And were it not for that on the orders of the president, probably on the orders of the president. I would say it doesn't matter. He's the commander in chief. He was clearly pushing for those guys to do what they were going to do. So whether it was by omission or commission, uh, Trump is responsible because he was the commander in chief that day. And he made the personnel decisions, whether or not there was a word given here or there, I think is moot. That's the kind of thing that, uh, the prosecutors will decide, but now we have blood in the water. Now we have have a conviction for the most serious crime. And now we can tie what everybody else did, whether we're talking about, uh, Missouri Senator elect Eric Schmidt, uh, getting the Republican attorney's general association to foot the bill for the robo calls to assemble the attackers or the boys, boys, the machin, Clarence Thomas, Alito, any of them, anybody touching this, they are Mm -hmm. all at risk here. So. Now you've got the and actual now, the jury saying there has been a seditious conspiracy and that they have found two people guilty on that. So now you've got a whole bunch of people that could be questioned. I'm actually quite interested in what uh, Mr. Rand Paul is going to have to say. After all, Stuart Rhodes came out of the Ron Paul universe and has very close ties to Rand Paul. So yeah, he might have been reelected, but I still have very serious questions about where does all that money come from to set up all these organizations like the Oath Keepers? And how did they get funneled through oh, the Tea Party? How did they get funneled? to these organizations through maybe um, Mr. Ron Paul and of course Ron Paul was a publisher, a notorious publisher, very interesting um, literature, if you call it that, that many people uh, followed and was part of the reason we got the Tea Party in, in, in initial circumstances. And both Rand Paul and Ron Paul are regular visitors to the Kremlin. They, they in one case, like to deliver mail, that's what Rand Paul did, but Ron Paul used to go to Moscow all the time. For what reason ultimately was he going there? And uh, how much of that has to do with Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers is still an outstanding question, which I'd really be interested in the answer to. It's funny you bring them up because uh, we had a conviction of a guy named Jesse Benton the other day who was convicted for funneling money from Russian intelligence into Trump's campaign. And prior to that, he had figured if he'd been charged or convicted of funneling Russian money into Ron Paul's campaign and Trump got him pardoned. But... Uh, Benton was tried for another crime that was instead of the 2012 election, getting Russian money into the 2016 election. And he was found guilty and he was Mitch McConnell's campaign manager. He was Ron Paul's campaign manager and Rand Paul's campaign manager. So the Paul 
The Paul boys here have got a uh, little explaining to do, and they've got two of their top guys are now felons, jailbirds. Yeah, certainly looks like there's, uh, you know, the time is coming for Bolt to answer some of these questions because uh, it's surprising uh, that he has so many ties and he stands when it comes to vaccines and all that crazy stuff he did for a period of time during the Trump years, clearly indicating that he is uh, one of Russia's uh, most favored senators in our Senate. Hi there, it's Zev from Narrative. Have you ever had a great business idea but just didn't know where to start? Well, one of the first steps to building a new business is a domain name by Hover. That's because it's more important than ever to have an online presence and your domain name by Hover is your first step in building your online brand. For a limited time at hover.com forward slash reach, you get 10% off. Hover makes it quick and easy to find the perfect domain name for your business with over 400 available extensions. And with their connect feature, you can easily connect your Hover domain name to many popular website builders with just a few clicks. Plus, Hover offers free who is privacy, that's free who is privacy, that protects your personal information from being released online. Don't let the complicated search, sign up and connection process of other domain providers stop you from starting your online brand today. Hover makes it easy to get started, so what are you waiting for? Find your perfect domain name at hover.com forward slash reach. Plus, Narrative Live viewers get 10% off right now. If you use the promo code REACH, that's R-E-A-C-H, or go to hover, H-O-V-E-R dot com forward slash reach, R-E-A-C-H. I want to talk about uh, Kanye West. I know you have limited patience for this topic because it's so distracting from you, but I hope you bear with me here because it is fairly relevant to figure out exactly how Kanye West came to be this notorious anti-Semite in just a matter of weeks and the way it was developed as a narrative uh, involving many of the faces that we recognize from January the 6th, people like Alex Jones, people like Roger Stone, all involved this, Candace Owens is there too, and Tucker Carlson. I'm going to walk you through the stage by stage here so everyone gets an understanding uh, of this process that made Kanye West a surprising uh, anti-Semite. Maybe he was an anti-Semite before, but he suddenly evolved like clean to one and how the same machine that helped create January the 6th helped create this anti-Semitic event around Kanye West and Fuentes and Trump um, that we've been witnessing. It all started on October the 3rd when uh, during Fashion Week, um, Kanye and uh, Candace Owens appeared with these White Lives Matter uh, t-shirts, which was humorous. They thought also obviously a protest. It's important to note that Kanye's career as a fashion designer hasn't been that great. He's been really troubled lately because he believes that uh, Louis Vuitton uh, fired him basically for, uh, for the wrong reasons, fired his assistant, whatever the case might be. He feels that there'd be people who've done him wrong. But on this day, on the top of the third, is that Paris Fashion Week, and he and Candace Owens, Candace Owens, a product really of the Mercers, as many people say, um, he's sort of this uh, black uh, conservative figure who has a a talk show and a documentary coming out all about uh, MAGA and what she's supportive of that. So both Kanye and Candace Owens are, are big supporters of the MAGA movement. All good to them. They show up with this White uh, Lives uh, Matters t-shirts and they get roundly criticized by people who say this is ridiculous. It was a stunt more than anything else, probably to cover for a pretty lackluster uh, fashion appearance. Um, but lo and behold, October the 6th, just two days later, who jumps in to uh, interview you? Tucker Carlson, who probably never had reason to interview Yee before, suddenly gives Yee like a couple of big nights 
uh, to discuss his concerns about the world, which includes his concerns around Jews and about uh, Louis Vuitton. I can play a little bit about what he said about uh, about Louis Vuitton and like upset about Louis Vuitton. This is from the outtakes. I felt with Bernard Arnault, not only did he pull on the deal that contributed to me breaking down uh, and go back on his word with that, um, he also went on to hire multiple people out of my organization. That's really his beef. He's got this beef with Louis Vuitton. And I think the guy that he's talking to happens to be Jewish and he's got these, you know, he's upset. October 6th, Tucker Carlson does this lengthy interview. I listened to the entire thing, quite weird. Um, but, you know, there's uh, a little bit of anti-Semitism. I mean, there are a couple of very anti-Semitic comments about Jews not being able to dance as well as black people. They're not seeks of Judaism or Jewish people, but they're still fitting to that category and certainly around the idea that Jews control the financial world, media world, he leans into that quite a lot. So then on October the 18th, uh, Roger Stone shows up on Alex Jones's show and suddenly he's got a great idea. Um, I don't know how these people communicate or if they communicate to the extent that they do this, but on that show, he articulates that it might be a great idea to have uh, Kanye run. I still think that President Trump will run in 2024. I still think uh, it is conceivable that, I don't know, he could announce the Saturday before this election, which would have an electrifying effect uh, on the, the election itself. And thinking outside of the box, I think his running mate, in all honesty, should be Kanye West. You want to completely shake up and change the electorate? There's a ticket I could really get behind. Now, I'm for the president. I would be very clear about that. But if you want to see the globalist uh, and the political establishment go out of their minds, put forward a Trump West ticket. Well, I know they're friends. Uh, do you think uh, you think Trump and Kanye would uh, go for it together? Uh, look, I can't speculate uh, about that. But when it comes to uh, his fealty to Jesus Christ, his strong position on life his outspoken opposition to the cancel culture and censorship, um, I think he'd be an extraordinarily interesting candidate. And that's the thing about politics. If you're not interesting, if you're boring, the voters go elsewhere. So and people couldn't have... believe, people couldn't believe that Trump, a businessman who never held office, could win. He did. This could be the two businessmen, both pro-America, both free speech candidacy. That's a pretty good idea. Have you told Trump the idea? I'm not going to comment on that, but two strong Christians. Look, I like to think outside the box, but uh, I think it would electrify the electorate and it would change a hundred years of history. I just throw it out there as an idea, uh, but uh, I think it's in, it's intriguing. Here's what uh, I do know. When people have a choice between Kanye West and Kamala Harris, I think I know what they would choose. Well, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. So we need the... Trump West ticket. Yeah, let's see who can get the t-shirts up and out faster, you or me. This is funny, of course, but it's also the same way we got to January the 6th. These two, char two characters basically are the reason that January the 6th happened. There, They originated the idea, some say, on September on the same kind of talk show. So as we look at the creation of the we anti-Semite uh, narrative, which existed for a few days now, um, it really originates out of the Roger Stone universe. And it's stunning because Roger Stone is supposedly, he at least told people all the time that he's an avowed Zionist. So you've got these two sort of conflicting ideas that he's 
backing uh, anti-Semitic figure in me and also being pro-Zionist at the same time. And it's one of the challenges, I think, that the GOPs have to struggle to understand how to react to this particular thing. Fast forward to November 22nd, and then this is when Trump uh, invites Quintus uh, and Yee to a, uh, to a Thanksgiving dinner at Mar-a-Lago. Truly a strange thing to do. He, of course, knows who Quintus is. He's not, he's not fooling anybody by saying he doesn't know who Quintus is. But there is a tape where Kanye West, in debriefing the events of that day, of that dinner, talks about uh, how Nick Fuentes was influential and how Donald Trump really loves uh, Nick Fuentes and how it was such a big deal that he walked in there with Nick Fuentes, um, who, by all accounts, is also anti-Semitic. There's no doubt about it. But it's more like a comedian. I feel like they're just a bunch of cartoon characters participating in the Roger Stone show. I don't even think they believe necessarily what they're saying. But as you can see in this tweet, there's Nilo um, and Fuentes all on the way to Tim Pool show, um, which is also an unusual show. And that's where Kanye West walked out of that show because uh, he was convinced, he said, that the Jews were responsible. So that's what he said to Tim Pool. To be like defending, I'm not going to go through another, you know, to come in here, I feel like it's a setup to be like defending. I'm not going to go through another... Like, I'm literally going to walk the F off the show if I'm sitting up here having a, you know, talk about you can't say that it was Jewish people that did it when every sensible person knows that. I mean, Jon Stewart knows what happened to me and they took it too far. It was like American History X. Like my head was on the side of the curve and the exact people that I called out kicked my head. We found out that my trainer was a MK Ultra. Uh, Canadian uh, intelligence. He, was, uh, yeah. he worked in the defense research and uh, development uh, in the Canadian military, essentially working on psyops Who's in this the guy? Canadian military. This is Harley Pasternak. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you, I've very counterparty Pasternak before in my days as a TV producer, trainer, and uh, people really enjoy his training. I don't think he's a Canadian intelligence agent. I don't think he was involved in MKUltra. And I think what we're seeing here is he's prosecuting his own personal concerns around LV in the context of him losing that contract with LV. And either these guys are taking advantage of him by positioning here where he is getting all this attention around anti-Semitism, or he's playing along and he's just doing a, a big show as he's being prone to do, or he's not necessarily well. He's had a, a really rough time in the last few years. All of these situations suggest that he shouldn't be um, a front man for any of this kind of stuff. But it does seem to me that Roger Stone is pulling the strings of whatever is going on behind this whole uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah, but they're both owned uh, intelligence assets. So do you think Roger Stone's Israeli intelligence or Russian intelligence or, you know, these guys aren't calling their own shots. So I'm interested what the larger play is. I think generally it's distraction, but I'm wondering who's really behind this. Yeah. Know, in addition to. Yeah, I think all these guys, what we're says, all of these guys are ultimately being positioned into these roles. Uh, I find it very difficult to understand how a party can reconcile being pro-Zionist and also house uh, anti-Semite. It just seems like there's a inherent conflict there, and I don't see how the GOP can reconcile that without actually being quite deliberate about getting rid of one or the other, unless they enjoy that tension, unless that's helpful to them. You know, and certainly many people have speculated in the past. Um, um, I, I do think it's an interesting thing that we're witnessing. I don't think we should walk away from 
these uh, events with its January the 6th and, uh, and Roger Stone's involvement in January the 6th and say, these are just stunts. These are dirty tricks that he's pulling off here. The truth of it is these are much more than just dirty tricks. They do cost people's lives. They do ultimately impact how people think about their country. They do take away the oxygen from other news, as you pointed out, and distraction from other news. And Roger Stone may walk around feeling like he's some sort of circus master, but truthfully, he's caused a lot of damage to the American political system. And I don't think we should be patient with this stuff anymore. After seeing what happened with January 6th, and clearly his involvement there, he's continuing to pull the strings of all these characters. And so when you look at who really pulls together the whole anti-Semitic ye ecosystem, it looks a little like this. You've got um, Roger Stone, Alex Jones, Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, Milo, and Nick Fuentes. This is how we got to Kanye West is an anti-Semitic figure and let's give Nick Fuentes a whole bunch of free airtime in the last few days. It just doesn't strike me as being sort of like organic anti-Semitism that's risen from the grassroots up. It's a play that's been placed in front of all of us by an intelligence operation or some sort of grouping. And, uh, and they're just sucking up the oxygen. And when you really think about it, you know, Rupert Murdoch's certainly very close to Israel. Uh, some would say very close to Israel. He owns Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, the Mercers own Candace Owens. Mercers and Murdoch probably own Donald Trump. Alex Jones, who, as we've been saying, probably the Russians, have, you know, spoken about uh, Roger Stone and Nick Quintus. We don't know. But we are talking about basically an intelligence that's going on. Well, yeah, that is the great mystery, isn't it? Yeah. So these are the cartoon characters that were foisted up upon us. These are not the real players. No, they're not, but they're taking up a lot of the oxygen and watch breathless news anchors hour after hour talking about how Kanye is evil and all these things. It's like, or Nick Fuentes is like the, the devil. You know, he's a terrible guy. He says terrible things, but he's, he's not Hitler. He's something else that's being made to upset people. Well, that's the show for tonight. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you again. Every minute of Narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives.